0: Welcome to Bethel Brandon Sunday Message. Please head over to our website, BethelBrandon.ca to figure out how we can best serve. you. So I love the church. I am passionate about church. And maybe one of the reasons is because for the last over 30 years, it has been what I have lived and I have breathed, and uh, and so I'm always thinking church, and it is and it is something which I believe I could have taken another lucrative uh, um, pathway in life. Uh, but I believe so much in the church. And uh, although there are times where all of a sudden I'm saying, what am I doing here? Um, I appreciate the family of God. And that's not to say that there isn't challenging times within church. Isn't that true? Like I remember hearing the story uh, one time of a, of a mother knocks on her son's door and says, uh, hey, got to get up. You got to go to church. And he says, I don't want to go to church. He says, you got to go to church. Get up right now. Go to church. And he puts the pillow over his head and he mumbles and muffles out. and says, I don't want to go to church. I'm tired of church. She says, you get up right now because it's important for you to be at church. He says, you know what? I don't think the people like me there. You know, I, I find i got to get up, and I've got to do all these things, and, and I, I'm just sick and tired of the fact that, that there's so many people who don't really treat me well. And she says, that doesn't matter. You're going to get up, and you're going to go to church. He says, give me two good reasons, not just one. Give me two good reasons why I need to get up and go to church. She says, one, you're 45 years old, and secondly, you're the pastor. <laughs> Anyways. I always, like, I always like to have a time in September, January, to take a couple minutes to talk about our vision, who we are, uh, not only who we are, why we are here and where we are going and, and how we get there. And, and the thing is, when, we, when it comes to that, the reality is this, that every church has a similar mission. We have, we have a desire to be able to go and, and meet together, to worship together, to support each other, to, to be able to develop our, our gifts together and, and work in a common goal, to, to create a family. But even most of all, we are the reflection of Jesus. That we, we have had a, a Savior who came to earth and died for our sins. And the blood that he shed became the ransom for our souls so that we might have life and that we might have joy. And the way that you know that you're going to heaven is when you accept Jesus, when you realize that. And that, that message is contained within the church. And so it all kind of is encompassed as you talk about church life in, in what I call the, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus' last words uh, as he's speaking to them in Matthew says, Go into all the world make disciples. In Matthew chapter 22, when, when they're asking, what, are the, what is the greatest commandment? He says, well, there's two. The first one is to love me with, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second, he says, is like it, of your neighbor as yourself. And so these become the, 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 the background or the foreground or maybe the foundation. There's another one which is called the great commitment. It's the one which is found in, in, it's from the scripture and found in Micah chapter 6 verse 8 where he says, what's required of me is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And so there is the process of us as the church going together with a common cause to be able to somehow minister. And, and I remember when I first started the church, I tried to find a creative way to say that. And, and I realized that, that the word Bethel has the word be and then the word the with an L. And so I said, well, why don't we just kind of say this? You need to, to be the love. We need to be the light. We need to be the life. We need to be the link. And that kind of responds and so, it. And so how do you do that? What happens as a church? What is the process? And what is the process today as a, as a church Well, it's the process of building a bridge to convince this community, which is vastly changing, that we love them. To be able to somehow convince our community by our actions, by our attitudes, by our words, everything that we do, that we care for them. You know, there's that statement that says, people don't care what you know until you know that they care. And that's true. It's kind of funny Now, maybe you haven't done this, but this week I was surprised when the 18th Street Bridge, you know the one that they had been working on like forever, all of a sudden it was open. I was going over this ratty bridge for years, crossing my fingers, thinking it might cave in, I'm not too sure. And all of a sudden you got this nice one, it's only halfway done, isn't it? But if you stop to consider all the time, and I remember driving by every day, driving over that bridge and looking at how they were progressing. You do that as well? I'm not the only curious one. Rubbernecking over there, seeing what's going on. You know, trucks, trucks of soil, cement, building, putting things together, putting the sewer system up, raising the, the, the thing. It took a long time. And I'm finding that in our, our new community, ...that we live in, that it is a process of building bridges. That's how we reach people, because they will be advanced by our ways as much as they will be advanced by our words. And so if you continually, continually work out ways that we can actually convince our community that we love them, then eventually there will be a time where they will be able to hear the truth of the gospel... And it's very hard to do that when there is a gap between the church and the world, and there's no bridge to do it. So what you do is you build that bridge. And that's kind of the important thing. And that's kind of why we have adapted the phrase which says, we are a church in our community for our community. And so we create an atmosphere of family. At least we seek to do that. And we want to grow in faith and the Word of God together. And we take every opportunity to grow and build. And that's why we have, uh, we have Bethel Connect events and, and the, the small groups and, uh, and activities where we can kind of get to know each other and grow together as a family. Because that's an important part of church. And, and we've come to the realization, at least I have, as long as I have been the pastor here. And if you're just kind of here for the, first, uh, for the first time listening in or if you're online listening, you know, I have been here getting close to six years. I have been here. What? Really? Yeah, well, a couple of them were COVID, and they were kind of like a blurk. You know what I mean? But not only that, I was here 25 years ago. One thing that I did realize about this church, a core value of this church, is that they are um, multigenerational, that every single generation matters in this church, that if you are a senior, you matter in this church. If you are a child, you matter in this church. And we are growing to be a multicultural church, where any person from any ethnicity can come and share and become involved in leadership and become involved in ministry and to be able to worship together. And that we also have to become a multifaceted church, that, that we have to use whatever methods we possibly can to reach people um, for Jesus. And so we have all these bridges. You know, we have, a, we have an online bridge where we have people who listen online now. We have, we have the podcast, which kind of helps people who may not even go to church, to bring them along slowly in their faith and, and have conversations. And so if we can start the conversation online, eventually we get to see them in purpose, in, 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 in person. There's the community builders that we have, the PD days that we're having. Now, we are continuing the PD day day camps. For those of you who don't know, we are opening the church uh, for a PD day camp for people in the community who during pd days don 't have anywhere to put their kids and so and so, if you are interested in that or if you know someone who's interested in that, register them or come and talk to us, and we can help in the registration process this is just this kind of this is a bridge that we have to show the community that we care for them and that we love them and I remember even a year ago as we were sitting down as we were planning with the with the uh, with the staff and we're saying we want to do four community activities that will somehow be a way that we show the community that we love them. One is the harvest party that we've been doing every year on Halloween. The other one was the Easter egg hunt where we gave like thousands of dollars worth of chocolate away to kids in the community. And the other one was the water fight that we had just had just a couple of weeks ago. And all of them have had huge amounts of people in the community saying, Is this for free? What is what was all this for? What is it all about? Well, we just want to somehow, legitimately, authentically tell you that we love you, that we care for you, and there's just so many other ways. I know that uh, we might be thinking of the Real to Real Film Festival again. Also, I know that there's a place, a thing which is called Hope's Place, where, where um, we are going to be teaming up with the Gate Church to go down to the inner city to maybe feed people some meals. And uh, and uh, Tammy Lamb is heading that up. And so if you're interested in that, uh, speak to her after the service or speak to myself after the service, and we can kind of give you some details as to what's involved in that. Also, you know, devoted ministries, youth, young adults, all the things that we are doing that will somehow minister and work to, to, to minister to people, the special needs class, so that people can stay in church if their kids have special needs, and we can be able to take care of them, all this stuff. So we're serious when we say that Sunday morning is just the beginning, and we want to be effective in the process of producing passionate followers of Jesus. Like, we live not just in a post-Christian era. We live in a post-Christian, post-COVID area, and maybe you haven't realized it, but our world has changed, and so So my heart is to see how do we recalibrate to reach this new world. Whether it's online or whether it's in person, I believe that God will still move among his people. Because this is the truth. You can't download a move to the Holy Spirit. It's not something you can press with your computer. It's something that happens when the Church of Christ comes together and ministers. So a vision actually is simple. It's centered around this. What if a community of people actually acted like Christians? That they genuinely loved people, they exhibited love to their community through prayer, through acts of kindness, through honest concern, through daily interactions and efforts. If the church, Bethel, was a person, what kind of Christian would we be? is Bethel Christian? And so we come to the realization that we want to do everything we can to be a Christian. You ever met those people who are just those super Christians that you think, I'll never be that good. I'll never ever get to that point. They just just authentically love people all the time and they're kind and they're concerned and they think of people in times when other people may not think of them and they don't have an agenda. The only agenda that they have is that they genuinely love you. And I find that those people are the most effective in reaching people for Jesus. Can you do that as a church? It's an important question to ask ourselves. And so the big ask I have as a pastor as we take a look in September is that will you help in the process of loving people into the kingdom of God? Because That's what we want to do. That's basically how it is. And vision is important. Our future needs to be bigger than our past. Let me just say this. Your behavior will be governed either by a memory of the past or by a vision of the future. And so the hope is that God will move in our midst. I'm passionate about that. Come to the realization that it just comes down to actually loving people. We can sit and have all of the, all the techniques and everything down. But it comes to us actually loving people genuinely loving praying for them doing everything we can so that when the time comes God is there with open arms when they hit that point where they need to receive Christ so that's it in a nutshell that's kind of it's kind of what i always like to 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 kind of put back on the on the the forefront of who we are why we're doing and how we get there is an important part so what i wanted to do just just to kind of add to that because like i said i I'm passionate about the church. And I feel as a pastor, one of my main roles is to create an atmosphere of engagement to help people realize the crucial purpose of the body of Christ. And in order to do that, I have to deal with what I call the church issue. And you say, the church has an issue? Well, hey... (laughs) Church has a lot of issues, and so over the next 72 weeks, no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I find that there's a pervading issue, and, and you have probably dealt with it yourself. And I think it is something which is bigger than what we think. And it deals with the fact that it centers around the value that we need to have to be committed to a community, to be a body, to fulfill and to forward the kingdom of God and i wonder if somehow we have lost that purpose and that people have kind of said i don't know i'm not connected to the church like i used to be and there's many justified reasons for that i remember sitting as i was thinking about preaching this week and i was asking myself why is it that people have stopped coming to church or have stopped coming to church as often as they do there's a number of reasons one reason is that you're busy The other reason is that you are bored. The other reason might be because you are burnt out. Or maybe because you are broken. Or maybe you have become bitter. Or maybe you're just happy being a bystander. Or maybe you are a byproduct of a society that has shifted a little bit. And there are two cultural trends that have to do with this. One is de de the institutionalization, and the other one is what I'll call individualism, that for many, we don't have to be part of the institution anymore. And what is really important is that I have a personal, private experience with God within. And it is important to have an experience of God within. But I find that there's something that happens when it's within the context of the body of Christ. And so, for those people... Um, who have gotten to the point where they say, you know what, I don't know if I really need church. I don't know if I have to come every week. What really is important is that I love Jesus. I can understand why you say what you do. But I think that it's a lie. I think if you believe that way, I think that the devil has you thinking exactly the way he wants you to think. And there's a number of reasons for it. Like there's, there's obviously a technology issue. There's so many things that we can do with technology and see and go and, and, and 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 watch a number of things. But it's also a philosophy issue. It's also a sociology issue. It is about who we are as people. It's a theology issue. It's a whole bunch of ologies wrapped up into one. And as a pastor, I find that I'm a continual student. How do we do church right? how do I minister most effectively to the body of Christ? What are the things that need to be changed? And maybe there are things that need to change as a church. Maybe we need a simpler modification, or or maybe something has happened. One thing I know is true, that God has always worked with a redeemed group of misfits. God has always worked with imperfect people. And that is us. That is you, and that is me. And, and God has given us the task to let the world know that Jesus loves them. And it might kind of seem like a difficult thing, but that's the way it always been. You might sit there and say, well, the New Testament church, look at how, how wonderful they did. Well, they had problems. Let me tell you. Just read the New Testament a little bit. Read between the lines. You will realize that they had problems. And somehow God has worked it out in a way that he wants to demonstrate to the world who Jesus is. Because I'm thinking, if God can move in a bunch of misfits like that, then he could probably move in my life as well. And that's seen through history. Any history buffs out there? No? There are a number of times in the church where there has been moments watershed moments where a decision was made that changed the trajectory of the church, pushed us ahead. One time, is, is, is we read it in the New Testament, where, where there was a group of people that said, well, you need, to do, you need to ask Jesus in your heart, but you also need to kind of keep the Jewish law as well. And this became a thing so much so that Peter was even getting sucked into this mentality, it says in the book of Galatians. But, but Paul is the one who says this, well, if that's the case, then it all just works again. That means that Jesus died in vain you need to accept him in faith. And that became a huge issue. This wasn't something that they could ignore. And if you read in Acts chapter 17, you will see the first church summit that addresses this and deals with it. And if it wasn't dealt with, there's going to be problems. Go another 300 years, 325, the council of Nicaea. There's a guy named Athanasius, and there's a guy named Arius, and and, uh, differing theologies. And one was wrong and the other one was right, but the one that was wrong was gaining momentum and they had to gather together and say, hey, this is what it was. And from there you get the Athanasian Creed. I don't know if this, this, uh, this matters a whole lot to you or not. All I'm saying is this. There have been times where the church is at a threshold, where they have to say, we need to get this right. And I believe with all of my heart that we are at the threshold of the church, not just this church, but the church in general that deals with what I call the church issue. Because if if all of a sudden we come to that point, and here I am jabbering that I've kind of lost myself in the notes, if we all of a sudden come to the point in a community where all of a sudden church becomes secondary or peripheral or optional, I believe that it will only take three generations of holding that view that will eventually throw the true church into the dark ages. I believe that with all of my heart. And this is why I'm so passionate about it. Because there's an importance in community. There's important being involved in my church and having an allegiance to an assembly that works together for God. And the last thing I'm going to do is use the pulpit as a leverage to prove my point. What I want to do is I want to kind of show you through the Word of God how this is important so that we come to a conclusion. And that conclusion is that I'm right. And then, if I'm right, we'll all be happy, especially me. No. Let's take a look at the Word. First, first scripture that I have for you is, is Romans chapter 10, verse 24 and 25. It said, let's consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds and, and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all and all the more as you see the day approaching. There's an importance in getting together. There's something that you don't get any other way. That is combined with another passage of Scripture, if we can show that at this particular time. It's, it's, it's seen in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Remember Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices and don't have a, a better view than you help yourself than you should. And it talks about all the offices of the church. This is sandwiched in here. It says, just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all of the others. Important, wouldn't you say? Let's go to the next scripture. Acts chapter 2, day of Pentecost. Sermon preached, thousands of people come to Jesus. This is kind of the tail end of that verse. It says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes, and they ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What an incredible, incredible thing. I think I have one more slide. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. This is huge. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and you together are that temple. Acts twenty verse eight, as he's speaking to the Ephesians church, his last words says, "To feed the church of God, which he Christ has purchased with his own blood." The church is meaningful and important to you, and you are meaningful and important to the church. I believe that it is a two-way street. It's something that we need to finally get into the grasp because it's an important thing. The thing is, I had to ask myself, why is it that this is so important? Why is it? How can I convince you? The only way that I convince you is to tell you why I think the church is more important. Other, other than the fact that the church really is God's idea. You just can't abandon that, can you? You can't twist your, tho- your theology around to justify your participation or non-participation. And every, everyone needs to be a part of the church. And if you isolate yourself, not only do you miss out, but everyone misses out. That you are important. That you are crucial, that your participation is not inconsequential, but it is part of the whole process and god's plan for us. so why is church so important? Why do I think church is so important? Why is it important to be part of the body of Christ together well the first the first reason uh, is this: if we could show that on the slide, positive direction i remember I remember Uh, A pastor one time making a statement in a book. He said this, The church is the hope of the world. And I think sometimes we forget that. That we are the possessors and the propagators of the greatest message in history. Not only that, we are the reflection of that image. And when you are part of the church, you are part of something positive going ahead. And this has been seen throughout history. Many times we forget what the world was like before Christianity came onto the scene. And that Christianity was responsible for a number of things that we have today. Involving the equality of women. The institution of the hospital or orphanages all started by Christian organizations. The value of human life. To love and accept people who hate or hold different values than you. They're the first to help in every tragedy and every crisis. Almost every university and hospital started by Christian organizations in North America. That we've affected art. Architecture and missionary works and, and helping with dying cultures and civil liberties and the, the abolition of slavery, all put together by the Christian community. And that is all secondary to the fact that what we do is the only institution that leads people to Jesus, the positive direction. The other reason I think it's important is because of personal health. Personal health, what are you talking about? Well, a couple of a couple of years ago, I think I have it here somewhere. There was a there was an article that talked about this: that church declining church attendance is a public health crisis. Two two Harvard health professors began to do a study of over seventy thousand participants in the health the health industry, nurses and, and people part of the uh, the industry of healthcare. And so, of these seventy thousand participants, they found that people who regularly attended a church, 29% were less likely to be depressed. 50% were less likely to be divorced. And they were five times less likely to commit suicide for those who attended. They also found out that 30% are less likely to die. Really? What they did is they kind of did another another a follow-up topic of people 16 years later. And the mortality rate was higher. That it reduced the amount of children and adolescents going in to drugs. Eighty-four percent reduced risk to suicide. And not only that, if you stop and consider it, that if you are sick, we have people who are strong in the word that pray for you to be healed. Two months ago, my daughter um, faced cancer. I, I got as many people as I knew to pray. Prayer, of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up. Do you believe those scriptures? Those, are, those scriptures are true. And now she's healthy, no problems, and expecting a baby in six months. It's Lord, yeah. Woo-hoo. Anyways, I told my wife I wouldn't mention it, but I did. <laughs> Why is church important? The power of corporate community. What do you mean by the power of corporate community? It means this. When I worship God, it's wonderful. When I'm in a group of believers that worship God, it's fantastic. When I pray, God moves. When the church prays, fantastic things happen. And there will always be something, a strength that happens in the corporate realm. Whether it is the death of someone or a disaster or directional change or discipleship or discipline, something happens in a powerful way in the corporate community to hold a corporate vision, to maintain a corporate mission because we're all going in the corporate right destination. I say it this way. That there is strength in numbers. But there is superior strength in unified numbers. And there is ultimate strength in unified numbers that are gathered in Jesus' name. There's a power to corporate community in every single way that you look at it. The other reason I think church is important, why choose church? Because we need people who model Jesus. That I am the person that I am because other people showed me how to do it. And Jesus, one of his most famous statements in the book of John, says this, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, because love's not the default. And if all of a sudden we can prove and show a community of love, it will be the thing that will show other people where Jesus is. There's something about the sharpening aspect when we are all together, that iron sharpens iron. And there's the process of of discipleship where we are molded into the image of Christ, not because we're trying on our own, not because we're reading the Bible and trying to, to obey it, and those things are important, but that the church works together in that process. Did you ever realize that there are three different sections where it talks about the gifts there are ministry gifts, there are spiritual gifts, there are ministry office gifts. And all of them have nothing to do with us as individuals. All of them have to do with the operation and God moving in God's people within the context of believers. And people would not be where they are without other people. Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, would not have written the book of Mark if it wasn't for Peter. And Paul would have never done what he did without Barnabas. As a matter of fact, Mark wouldn't have done anything without Barnabas. Barnabas was the one who took them and and brought them in and brought them back despite the problems that were there. And not only that, Timothy wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for Paul. As a matter of fact, Onesimus and Philemon would not have been there because of Paul. And Philemon would have not gone on to be a bishop of the church if it wasn't for all of the things. People are working with people together somehow. To be able to mold each other to somehow become part of this this crazy group of misfits that eventually become molded into the image of Christ. Why, church? Because we're practicing heaven. We are practicing heaven. (laughs) Body is known as the bride of Christ. And let me tell you, you are not the bride of Christ. We are are the bride of Christ together. It was never an individualistic thing. It is something where God died for the whole world. We are the redeemed family. We are the forever family. That's why Hebrews says, he says, don't, don't forsake the assembling of your, yourselves together because it is something which is important. It is a fact. And when you aren't together... You put yourself in a danger. You become distant. You become isolated. You become eccentric. You become vulnerable, unable to fulfill your purpose and exercise your gifts, which were meant to be exercised within the confines of assembly. Don't miss out. So my thought is this, that if we go ahead, it has to be with all of us, not just with some of us. It's like 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 and 9 says, we are co-workers in God's service, right? We are co-workers in God's service. Someone told me this. The church is like Noah's Ark. It is the best thing afloat. But that doesn't mean there aren't some stinky things inside it, right? And if you're here and you've been hurt by the hypocrisy or religiosity of the church or just meanness of people, can I just tell you something right off? That if anybody understands being here in the church, it's the pastor. We have a front row seat to seeing immaturity, to seeing arrogance, and all the things that happen. And I'll just tell you this. Sheep bite. You may not realize that, but they do. And in the midst of that I believe that we need to maybe refashion to recalibrate the church in in a rapidly changing world. And there might be something that we incorporate with online or in person. Who knows what's going to be happening over the last 10 years? Who would have thought some of the things that have happened over the 10 or 15 years? Who knows where we're going to be? But one thing I know for sure, that we will always need to be together. We do. I remember the story of a young person grew up in a house where there was abuse. Not only was there physically abuse, there was, there was sexual abuse, and there was alcoholism that was continuing. And, and, and this young man was messed up. Like, I mean messed up. And as he grew into adolescence, it became too much for him to handle and had no one around. What ended up happening was his best friend, his family, his family was in turmoil as well, but his mom and his dad got saved, and his brother, and he got saved. And invited this individual to go to church with them, And this individual, after a while, decided, okay, I'm going to give this Christianity thing a whirl. And so what he did, and he became part of the youth group and, and all the activities that were involved in this church. But he still suffered for years, trying to figure everything out. And what happened was that there were people in the church. It was basically the friendships that he had made. It was his friends' parents, his friends' fathers particularly. And what they did is they stepped outside of their comfort zone and into his life. And they ministered to him. And they showed him what it was like. And they noticed when he was not in church. And they encouraged him every single Sunday. And then finally one of them said to him, have you ever considered the fact that there are things inside of you which are telling me that you should be in ministry? And this kid just balked it for the longest time until all of a sudden God moved into service and he became realizing the fact that God was gonna somehow use him. Went to Bible college, didn't know how he was gonna get to Bible college. One of the parents said, if you don't make it, I will pay. It's Incredible. But he made it, God provided for him, And he went into the ministry, and he is still in ministry today. And the reason I know this story so well, because that was me. That is me. And if it wasn't for people in the pulpit like you, who are willing to step out of their comfort zone and into other people's lives, I wouldn't be here today. I'm so glad that I'm a part of the family of God. And that's why I need the church. And the church needs me. Amen? So God, I just pray that you will do something powerful in us. And uh, sometimes we get overwhelmed by the situation. And sometimes there are issues that come up. And sometimes people don't behave correctly. But Father, somehow and some reason you have chosen us, imperfect people to be the light to a world of people who are lost. So God, I just pray that you will help me, despite my imperfections, to fulfill the role that you have me in at the church. And I pray that for every single person who is here today and every single person who is watching online. I pray for the presence of God to move. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray for the direction of God. I pray, Father, that we will be a church that loves people, and we will be allowed to see, as it said in in Acts chapter 2, that we will be a church that, that will see people regularly coming to faith because they see a church that cares about their ways and not just their words. So I pray that blessing upon this church. I pray that blessing upon each and every person today. I thank you, oh God, that you have done so much in this church. It's going to be 100 years old in in, in just a, a few years. And in that process, God, I want this church to thrive past 100. I want you, Father, to be able to use this church to see people come to know Jesus, to see seniors come to know Jesus, to see children come to know Jesus. And with that, Father, we need your anointing. So I pray your anointing on every single person, every single heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand up. Thanks for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please head over to BethelBrandon.ca to listen to our older messages or maybe connect with us and figure out how we can best serve you. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.